So, hey, everybody, welcome to a very chill, very lax episode of Dissecting Liberty. This is going to be the episode that comes out the Sunday after Christmas. So everybody's going to be all, you know, fat from food and just all, you know, slumped down in their chairs and and they can fat just... Fat and happy. Fat and happy. That's right. That's right. Uh, probably watching football. Uh, so we're just going to, we're going to hang out. Um, today we have on David. We've had him on uh, during the infamous Cotton Week. Not enough oh, people. No. Oh, yeah. D- did you know about that at the time? Yeah, I knew that you uh, that you were by yourself and there was something there, but I never got the full backstory. Oh, yeah. It sounds like there might be something going on there that's more interesting than I originally gleaned. Yeah, so uh, Zero was on his honeymoon. That's so right, to, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, you talking about how he was recently married. And then I co-opted the show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to massive success, but... <laughs> uh, so, resounding resounding Yelp reviews, I'm sure. That's right. Great Yelp reviews. Got got about fifteen thousand five star ratings on Apple Podcasts, so that was pretty cool. Um, don't look, just take my word for it. Uh, they're there. So, uh, in case anybody hadn't listened to that, why don't you go ahead and tell people uh, who you are and about Law of Liberty and and any of your other projects? Yeah. Well, like you said, I do the Law of Liberty with Stratton. Uh, we met each other this last summer and he kind of convinced me to do this podcast and I'm a law student, just finished up my second to last semester, which is super exciting. And, uh, you know, there's not too many people I know at least who are, uh, libertarian law people. I mean, other than Solomon, he's like the only one my age I know, like all the other libertarian law people are older, like Kinsella and like Kevin Gaussman and like guys like that. So, you know, we, we wanted to, we wanted to bring in the legal perspective to get kind of younger Liberty people thinking, thinking about that stuff. And I've liked it so far. We having fun. We just dropped our 15th episode tonight, actually, which we recorded two weeks ago. Um, But, you know, I couldn't edit it just because of finals and stuff. I was writing like a 30 page paper, but, but it's fun. It's good. I love it. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun. It's nice to finally kind of put myself out there and get over some of the anxieties that that come along with that, you know. Yeah, no, I, I get you completely. Uh, I had a very similar experience. Like y'all's first episode was really good, and uh, like y'all had good chemistry, and y'all um, y'all y'all kept the uh, the dead air to a minimum, and and like y'all had some things already figured out. Uh, which was really good. And then like, I don't know if you've gone back and listened to our first episode. I think I, I think I actually did try to listen to the first part of it, but I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's the wrong way of putting it. Like I started listening to the first part of it, but I, I was doing, I was doing something or something took yeah, my attention yeah. away and I could never finish it, but it it's definitely a, was a little, it's a low. chore. It's yeah. A chore. Um, that was the first time me and zero ever talked. Right. Like oh, for like on, on a call. Right. Other than just texted and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was really cool. And then who was y'all? Y'all's first guest was Jeff Diced, wasn't it? No. So our first guest was actually Carr. Oh, right, um, right, right. Yeah. Because you hooked that up for us. 
Um, and then we had, oh my God, this is a funny story. I don't think we've talked about, I didn't even tell Carr about this. And I didn't even know that the dark Tom Woods thing had something to do with the fad cast. Yeah. But I straight up, so what happened was I, I was stupid. So the way Law of Liberty records our shows with guests, because if it's just Stratton and I, we'll use Zoom and then we record locally. He sends me his thing and then I edit it together. But when we have a guest, we'll usually use Google Hangouts because we don't, um, we don't have Zoom, like paid Zoom. Yeah. So we can't have a third guest without um, the time limit. So we were, we went on to Google Hangouts with him and I was using Bandicam to record my screen and the audio. Um, and I really like doing that. Bandicam's pretty cool because it gives you different tracks and it records everything that's on your screen. But I didn't know that when I downloaded Bandicam that there's like a one-time $30 payment or something and you pay yeah. it once and then you have it forever. But I didn't know. So I'm recording it. We're talking with Carr and then like 15 minutes into the episode, I get this thing on my screen. If you want more time, yeah. pay for the thing. And so I'm like, shit, like he's in the middle of his sentence and it cuts out. And so then we went over to Zoom and then did it with him but the conversation was still kind of going when we were running up on the, on the time limit. So we closed that chat and then started a new one and then finished it. But I was recording on zoom. And so I was recording it to the same destination file, but because it was different zoom sessions, the files were called the same thing. Oh yeah. So it, it overwrote in that destination file you know, the second audio file and the first oh, thing we yeah. recorded was gone. And so I was freaking out, like, how could this happen as our first guest? This is terrible. This is a disaster. But then I actually found out that there is a default export file. If you go into like the guts of, of the, of like the, of the files, the program files that zoom yeah. makes when you download it, if you go into the guts of that, it keeps everything recorded. So you have like a destination file that you can pick, but then there's also just a default destination file that it will always be recorded to no matter what. And I found the file there. So thank God we saved it. Um, but yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a big learning experience. So since then, since then we fixed it up. And so back to your question, our second guest was Kinsella and our third guest was Dust. Oh, okay. So yeah. That's, that's how that worked. Uh, you know who drives me crazy with uh like technical issue stuff is Derek. Yeah. Because like he'll <laughs> on Burning Boots he did it a lot. And then when we did our first Cotton and Derek show, he did it while we were recording. He's like, Oh shit, I'm not recording. Yeah. And and we're like, dude, you know, we've been recording for forty minutes. Like all that's done and he's like oh no i'm joking I'm, I'm. oh my god and uh like we did another cotton and Derek show recently i loved and, it by uh, the way thank it you was great it was with bullshito yeah oh my god it was so funny when you're thank talking you. about bass <laughs> <laughs> i want to see this guy what does this guy look like like oh, I have he has a twitter i have an image of him in my mind of like what he looks like and i i want to see if it lines up <laughs> he has a twitter i don't want to blow up his twitter but i'll i'll, I'll send it to you all right done. yeah but um <laughs> but like he messaged me after it published and he's like you idiot you exported it all to the left uh channel yeah. like there's no audio in the right and i'm like 
dude, I'm listening to it right now. It's fine. And then he doesn't message me back for like 40 minutes. And he's like, all my head for my headphones weren't plugged yeah. in all the way. And I'm like, God, dude. Yeah. Like it's funny. It's I hate that it's funny and I laugh at it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it annoys me. Yeah, I like Derek a lot. He's been really nice um, oh, to yeah. me and Stratty because he he came in right when we started the show, Law of Liberty, and he DM'd both of us and was like, "Hey, I love this. I really because he's like a huge Kinsella guy. Yeah, like Kinsella for him might be his number one of any libertarian you know figure." Um, so he was like, yeah, I love this law stuff. Like, this is really cool. And also it's because I think part of it's also his relationship with Davey because Davey is like, uh, brain dead when it comes to law stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's, I think Derek wants to like push, push back on Davey with that, but no, he, he, he DM'd us and was just like, Hey, I'm going to start a discord for you guys and I'll run all the stuff and set up the bots and, you know, make fun things we can do. And. Oh, and yeah. so that was really nice of him. So I really appreciated that he did that. Oh yeah, Derek is is definitely a uh, Derek is an elder of the Dissecting Liberty podcast. Yeah, he's a bro. Uh, he's he's awesome. Um, he's like right now, he's probably like the dude I coordinate stuff with the most, like yeah. future like production stuff and ideas and and everything. Uh, do you know uh, Neocon Remover on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. I think I follow him. Oh, he's the best, dude. Shit, like, shit poster extraordinaire. Yeah, he's the other guy. Like, I mean, but that's my that's my core. That's my duo. Uh, but uh, yeah, man. He he. Uh, I think it was. I don't remember how I discovered uh, Burning Boots, but somehow I got on their their Discord. And I was messing around, and uh, shortly after that, we started the podcast, and like our podcast and Burning Boots were like pretty close, you know. In fact, this pisses me off. I'll tell you that I've listened to every episode of Burning Boots except the last one, which I think came out today, and I I've been mentioned on the show like uh, every like three episodes or something yeah. like that i've been mentioned so much but i've I've never been on oh okay I've never so i got on. i got on before you did yeah and i'm livid i'm livid <laughs> well, <laughs> well i don't know i'm i'm your side piece today i'm your i'm your backup plan so yeah <laughs> i guess you returned the favor <laughs> i guess so well like i get it because i mean i listen to the stuff they argue about and and I mean, like it, they're they're answering some of this, and and they're kind of rebranding right now after. Kyle. Yeah, the, they're doing the whole going like merging with Fadcast or something. Well, well, do you know about the Fadcast? What they're doing? Because they're I have doing no, I, I have no idea about any of it. So you so should enlighten me. They're changing. They have changed the name of the show, and they're changing the complete. Uh, uh i don't know like they're they're changing the whole god i don't i'm so bad with words um they're changing how it's done they're, it's it's they're completely redoing it it's so instead of just having one show with like bonus episodes every now and again they're gonna have like four separate shows with each host having their own uh show that is encompassed within the new show, which is called Timeline Earth. 
and they brought on a new host as well. Well, it's timeline earth is a joke because Carr had this thing saying that the earth is a line <laughs> and it's the Twitter timeline. So it's timeline earth. Okay. Uh, and their new logo says time Bert or a uh, neocon remover designed it. And it's, it's timeline earth in text. And then you can see a line earth. It's funny. Yeah. But uh, so, and then crowdfunded government, may he rest in peace. Don't know where he is. Uh, he years ago bought birdarcus.com, uh, carcampit.com, friendsagainstgovernment.com. And before he disappeared off the face of the earth, he gave all of that to Derek. So that's what they're, they're doing. Uh, so, they, so, so Fadcast is a new show, but Burning Boots just changed their name to yes. become Fadcast, but it's still, it's well, still Derek, Davey, and Kyle, or no, did you say Kyle's doing something Kyle, else? Kyle left. Kyle's not okay. doing podcasting anymore. He's still around, like he's still on their Discord and he's still on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, But uh, he's just not doing the podcast. So both uh, Fadcast and Burning Boots are rebranding just to kind of switch things up cool um so but th but that's what's going on right now uh i forget why i uh how we got on this but you're talking uh, about derek and all that stuff oh yeah so uh oh yeah yeah okay i like i get why uh and, and part of the reason i haven't been on was me because like you know the burning question stuff i that i would get bored um but uh and then like davy man he he he'll say yeah, things he sucks he sucks yeah <laughs> you you said you listened to every you listened to the one when stratton and i were on yeah i think so i i felt so awkward like doing it just because davy just like I couldn't get a word in edgewise yeah. and I would like use words that he couldn't understand. And I was just like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. Like he asked me what circumscribe means. Oh, and I was just like, <laughs> Oh God. Okay. I got I got a D law school myself in order to talk to this person. Well, and that's kind of good. Like, that, I don't want to be a... rude. I don't want to be rude though. Like I don't know him personally, but yeah. I didn't have a, I didn't have a great experience talking with him personally. Yeah. I understand it, but like we've had him on the show twice, I think. Um, and like, I don't, I don't like talking about, uh, like an intellectual proposition with Davey, but I do like just bullshitting with Davey. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's cool. That's, that's no problem. Yeah. I feel that I'm just not, I'm, it's just, he and I are very different people. That's probably what it is. Cause like I don't I don't want to like talk bad about him, you know, when he's not here. Like that's yeah. that's not cool. And so apologies to him. But um we're just kind of different people. Like I'm just kind of like I'm not very witty. Like I'm I'm good on my feet when it comes to like intellectual discussions. But with like cracking jokes and like stuff like that, like I'm not that, you know, I'm not that good with that kind of stuff. And that's just that's just my personality. So he and I just kind of I don't know, there's just a little bit of a water and oil kind of thing going on yeah there, i think which is fine well that happens yeah um yeah so uh like 
I know I, I talked to you about this and uh, like at, at Mises, like I was amazed how many people there weren't super act or maybe not super active, but at least a little active on Twitter. Right. And because that's like my, that's 99% of my libertarian experience yeah. is just on Twitter. Um, Part of it and, might be because there were a lot of younger people, like most of them were kind of undergrads or like early undergrads, at least yeah. as far as I remember. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Maybe. Because I, I didn't get into social media until I was older too, you know, so I don't yeah. know. Um, but so like, I know, and please tell me if I'm wrong, but like before we met and uh, like you met Stratton, me and Porter, uh, like you didn't know about Fagcast or any of that no. stuff. I was like a big, I've been a big libertarian podcast junkie for, I mean, since 2015. Um, I mean, I've listened to thousands of hours of podcasts, but a lot of it was like Mises Institute stuff. Yeah. A lot of Stefan Molyneux, a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff. So I was really into the, like the, the heady kind of like big brain kind of stuff. And yeah. so the kind of indie libertarian, like not so much like that, like people who are libertarians, but it's not strictly a libertarian show. Like I didn't know anything about those kind of shows at all until I met mm -hmm. you and Derek. And, and so I kind of, you know, am like new to that, that libertarian podcast scene, the less, the less serious kind of stuff. Because yeah. I just feverishly was just consuming, like, I want to learn more. I want to learn more. I want to, yeah. you know, I want to understand this. And now I'm kind of at the point, you know, I'm, I'm almost 25 and I feel like not, you know, obviously I haven't learned everything, but I have gotten to the point where it's like, okay, like I've learned so much at this point. Now it's kind of like, I'm more interested in kind of that kind of aspect of things and getting more loose and having fun with it and meeting people. That's the main thing, meeting people. Because yeah. I didn't, I had never met another and cap in person until Mises U this oh. last summer. And I had been an and cap for almost half a decade at that point. And I had never met another person who held those same views. So wow. that's been the nice, that's been the nice thing about it recently and learning about these other shows and meeting you guys is just meeting people. Absolutely, man. Uh, like I went to the Ron Paul symposium a while back which we've talked about, like we talked about with Stratton because Stratton was there. And uh, we talked about on the episode that came out last week that released today uh, with Buck. And because uh, that's where I met Buck, uh, who does the Death to Tyrants podcast. Although I think when this episode comes out, the name's going to change. But um, like we talked about with Buck how. Uh, the event was cool because like I've never seen Ron Paul in the flesh before and that was kind of just a, a cool thing to happen, you know? Yeah, you cross it off the bucket list. Exactly. Uh, and it was cool to like see the speech that would get kicked off of YouTube uh, right. that Tom Woods gave. <laughs> yeah. Cool to see that in person. Um, and uh, But then like my favorite thing was after the symposium. Yeah. Like, you know, me, Stratton, Stratton's girlfriend, Zero and his wife, like we walked on the beach for like six miles and just hung oh, out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Zero got a cramp in his leg because he's a wuss. <laughs> um, and then like after that, Zero and his wife had to 
head home. So then Stratton, his girlfriend and me went to this house party where that's where we met Buck. And it was just like a bunch of ANCAPs hanging out and drinking beer and just talking. And, uh, man, it, it, like that, that's my favorite stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why, and I, I've said this so many times, I, I'm like a broken record on Childerberg. But, uh, like I said, this at Mises U, how the, the stuff during the day was cool. And Childerberg is like the stuff at night, but all day for like three days, you know, it's right. the hanging out and just being around cool people without really any expectations, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I love that stuff. That's my favorite stuff because I, you know, like the, I think I talked to Stratton about this. Like I'm not good in super formal situations. Sure. And uh, so like when we're just hanging out, that's where I really shine. I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's kind of why I like doing lax podcasts like this rather than stuff that like I actually prepare a lot for. But yeah. then the the ones you prepare for get more exposure, so it's kind of a yeah, because you do like a a big name guest, so it's kind of a double edged sword. Yeah, we're trying we're trying to figure out our balance with Law of Liberty because for the most part we do pretty like I come in with a with a list and like you know here's the points I want to hit here's like the logical order and like the arguments I want to make and the things I want to say, um, and so so we usually do that, but. The, the last episode we just released, I went in with no notes and we just talked about stuff for, you know, an hour and it was really good. I really, really liked it. And it was kind of nice to do that for the first time to do something with just yeah. kind of little preparation, just hanging out and talking. So I really like that. So we're, we're still kind of, you know, finding our footing on the balance between, you know, the heavy kind of preparation kind of side and those episodes, but also the more lax, just kind of fun talking about stuff side. But, yeah. you know, it, I, I just get anxious about it too, because it's like, you know, I, I want to like explain the legal stuff to people in a way that's not only coherent, but is actually correct. Yeah. Right. So I'm always worrying about, Oh my God, did I, was that actually right? Did I say something that's like totally wrong? Am I off base here? Am I leading people down the wrong way? So it's like, it's weird because, when you do the more, the less formal episodes, there's a little bit less of that focus, but we still talk about it a little bit. So I'm just kind of going off things on my memory and I'm just, and I listen back to it. I'm like, is that right? Is that, uh, you know, so I don't know. It's, we're still figuring it out, but it's, uh, it's nice to, it's nice to, you know, take a stab at it. And yeah. And, well, you could do like a, every other episode is like a law centric episode yeah. or, or if you want to have like more of those, uh, you can have like every, uh, like the last episode of every month, you know, is just kind of a, a hangout session. Yeah. You know? Uh, that's yeah. kind of what we did with the live episodes that we did for a while. But, and I got to say this cause I know some people miss the live episodes. Um, they're just, too much of a pain to edit yeah uh i mean it's well, so bad but well, I, I i i went on the discord i think once when you were recording a live show and yeah. like there were a bunch of people there and they were playing you were playing some of those jackbox whatever games yeah uh, yeah yeah and it was it was a shit show oh yeah <laughs> it was a clusterfuck for sure 
Well, see, uh, I don't know if you know him, Foxhound, who is on. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I recognize the name. I don't know him, but yeah, he's I the burning. Him. He's the burning boots discords fed, uh, pretty much. Really? Uh, yeah, they he he has the fed role, uh, because he works for the navy technically or something oh, okay. like that he works for the he works for like a, a company that is contracted by the military or the government or uh so he they say he's a government worker and he's a fed so yeah um but he did i don't know if he's done any recently uh but he used to do those jackbox things and the burning boots discord and it was so much fun uh but yeah <laughs> uh but then like the live show would just be when we started doing them, I had no notes whatsoever. Um, and then we did one just with the patrons, which if we ever bring it back, it's going to have to be with the patrons. Uh, but then the one we did with the patrons got corrupted or like the first half didn't record for, cause we use discord and discord sucks uh, to record. But, um, and I had a list for that and it was going pretty good. Um, but it's just a pain to edit and it's just, yeah. it's, it's, I don't have that kind of time. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you about editing Yeah. because I'm sure, you know, people can surmise from kind of the way I describe our show and what we do. I do heavy editing. So that kind of that kind of goes back to your point that you said before when you listened to our first episode and there wasn't any dead air and other kind of things. I go through yeah. and I make sure to like if there is dead air, I cut it out. And like if I have a if I have a big like er um uh kind of moment, I'll cut those out just to make it more succinct and to get it down. And so I mean uh like, do people usually do that, or am I just <laughs> obsessive compulsive? No, we do that, or I okay. do that. Yeah, I, I the episodes. Uh, but you know, part of the thing is because th this episode we're recording right now is going to be our sixty-first episode. So we've gotten a lot better at uh, filling dead air and not doing those ums, ers, you know. Yeah. So we've gotten a lot better at it. So like when we started, I wanted to do that, but it was so much that I just couldn't. Yeah. So like I did a bit, I polished it. I polished the turd a little bit, you know, <laughs> but uh, like it's still, it's still bad. Uh, where, where now, you know, I, I don't have to do it as much. Like I can, I can cut out the dead air and for like an hour long episode, I can do that in no time at all, like five yeah. minutes just eyeballing the the uh audio file it comes with um, practice yeah and that's the other thing i've I've gotten a lot better at editing like a, a lot of it's muscle memory now for like the things yeah. i do like the the uh what did you call it earlier you use the correct term for getting out the the weird noise stuff noise reduction noise reduction like i just do that automatically and and uh but uh, Derek is trying to get me to use Ableton because right now I use. Oh, you don't like Ableton? <laughs> well, okay, so I okay, so I'm I'm a musician. If yeah. people don't know, I've been a musician for forever. My mom was pregnant with me when she did her master's degree in piano, 
so I was I was in the womb when she was playing uh, Rhapsody in Blue and all this kind of stuff. So I think that definitely had an impact on me. Um, Real quick, real quick, uh, for everybody listening, think think hard. Uh, Tweet right now who you think wrote Rhapsody in Blue, and uh, I'm gonna check when you tweet it. I'm gonna check the time, eight twenty one. Uh, on December 20th if uh, if you get it right I'll give you a prize and at the end of the episode I'll say who it is all right continue cool so um so back in high school I did band stuff um, with friends we had a stupid band that we would write songs and record them and so we used audacity back then and so I was already familiar with audacity when we started doing the show. So I already knew how to set it up, how to work it. I already knew all the different features that were available. Um, so it, it, I didn't really have to learn anything about that once we started, um, mm-hmm. which was really nice. Um, with Ableton, uh, I learned about Ableton in college when I was, I was part of a percussion group on campus um, when I was an undergrad. And I learned, and some of my friends who would do, they'd make like EDM music and stuff like that. And they used Ableton for that. Um, And I remember I looked at Ableton, um, the interface, uh, one of the guys was showing it to me and I was just completely overwhelmed. I was just like, this is, this is way too complex. But Audacity is just very streamlined, very straightforward. It's, it's not super complex for like really doing the crazy like amazing production that some of these people do nowadays yeah. like especially I, i'm amazed by electronic music uh, uh producers and the and the things they can do when they actually like go into the audio file and they will manually manipulate waveforms yeah. and do all this crazy stuff and it's so cool um and you know you can't do that with audacity so I don't know. Ableton seems to me like to use it for podcasts. It, it seems it's too much. It's, you know, it, yeah. it, I don't think that's, I don't know. I'd have to talk to Derek about it and see his, his perspective, but Ableton to me seems like something that you should use if you want to do really good music production, but for podcasts, I don't know, just use audacity. It's simpler. Yeah. Well, I think part of the reason why Derek likes uh, Ableton over audacity is he can, uh, plug in multiple microphones or he can record oh. from multiple microphones where he can't do that on audacity you only get one input music um, is soundboard oh oh well yeah you, you're right you can only because i have a soundboard i have like an eight track that yeah. i use um but yeah you're right you can only record one yeah one track at a time so if you have eight things plugged into the soundboard they're all going to be be on one yeah one track and that's that's not doable if you want to actually edit it so that makes sense that's a good point but derek's thing is he says that once you understand it and he said he can explain it to me pretty quickly uh but he was like once you understand it it's so much quicker like you it's it's just so much easier than audacity and um like you can do more in less amount of time, I guess is his point. Yeah. But then I don't know, like I, I have quite a bit of experience with audacity and then Reaper. Do you know about that? I do. Um, I think I downloaded it once a free trial yeah. to use it, but I don't think I ever did. 
maybe I was just looking at the free trial because then I, because I was wondering whether or not I could actually use Audacity to record my music. Um, and I was looking to see if I could use Ableton or Logic or, or Reaper. And I was looking, but they're all like, they're all expensive. Yeah, well, that's- They'll cost a lot of money. You know, they're free on Pirate Bay. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> right. Agorist it. Yeah, that's the thing. Every now and again, I'll be in a class and uh, I'll have like a physical copy of the book and uh, like I'll be in our group me or something. And I'm like, oh, I just control F'd, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, did you buy the PDF and the physical book? And I'm like, no, I agoristed the PDF. And they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I'm, you know. Let me tell you. <laughs> right. Rubbing my hands together. <laughs> but yeah man i'm glad you asked i'm glad you asked <laughs> well there was this fat dude named conkin all right and <laughs> <laughs> did you see yeah. did you see there's that thing going around on twitter like the copy pasta of like you know who are the four people that got you into anarchism yeah i i, I did that um well actually wasn't it who were the four people that started started you on your intellectual journey yeah, that's the yeah, one yeah. i saw yeah that's it well who'd you pick oh okay so it was actually hard for me because i could not for the life of me remember um any any books i had read during sophomore year because the first one for me was atlas shrugged i read atlas shrugged when i was 19 in the summer of 2015 and yeah. that was that was the start for me um i know how cliched it sounds but um and so I was just like, holy crap, this is just like mind bending. Cause it was like, it was so much of it was stuff I had already kind of felt like yeah. the, the egoism stuff and the like holding yourself as a value, but you know, it, that doesn't mean you screw other people over. So that res that really resonated with me, especially being so young at the time. Um, so that was the first one. And then when I was in college, I had joined uh, young Americans for freedom. Um, I don't, I think there was a Yale chapter at the college, but I didn't even know that they even existed until after I was in college. And at that point I wasn't even really interested in doing any groups like that. I was just focusing on my music, yeah. but I, I was with Yaf for a little bit. Oh, by the way, just a tangent here. Do you, re do you remember the story from a few years ago about the guy who had changed his preferred pronoun through the college because the college allowed the preferred pronouns and he changed his preferred pronoun to his majesty yeah yeah i, I knew that guy i think you told I me that i knew that guy personally i met him he was the president <laughs> of of my yaf chapter hell yeah so i knew him um <laughs> his name's grant he's he's he was a good guy um i didn't really I didn't really see him much the lap, like the second half of college because I kind of stopped He was on his throne. Involved. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> exactly. <mean. laughs> but that was funny. Um, but anyway, so, uh, I can't, okay, I knew this was going to happen. I can't remember where I was going with this, but. Well, oh, oh, here's like, what I was. You know, I remember now. I remember now. Okay. So, so because I was a part of YAF, I got in the mail this book f that was made by uh, – fee by oh, foundation yeah. for educate economic education so it was a dual fee and yaf book and it was called excuse me professor and it was just a it was an edited compilation um lawrence reed edited it 
and it was just a compilation of articles by people talking about free markets and economics and stuff. So that yeah, was the, what really. The, I, I have that book. Oh, uh, you do? Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Like they cover it's, a bunch of different stuff, like why. Uh, I mean, I, I know the stuff that I sent after I read, I, I sent it to a lot of people was they had two different things about FDR. Like FDR didn't fix the Great Depression. And there there was another one that was just anti FDR. I forget what it was. Like FDR didn't was not liberal or something. I don't know. But there's a lot of good stuff in that. And it's a really good thing to get like a high school student, you know? Yeah. So I read I got that in the mail and I read it my sophomore year. And that was the one, that was probably the book that taught me about what Austrian economics was because, you know, I was just out of reading Atlas Shrugged and, you know, it's a novel. It, it has economic ideas in it, but it doesn't go into the theory yeah. of economics and it doesn't really explain it in that kind of way. So I think that that excuse me, professor book was the one that I was like, Oh, this is economics. Like, this is really cool. I like this. And I probably learned who the Austrians were from that. Um, so those were the first two when I was a sophomore. But after that, I was, like I said, I was podcast crazy. So I was like, I was listening to Stefan Molyneux and, and the Mises Institute. I found them and all this different stuff. And I was, I was really into that. And so I think for a while, I really didn't have any books. I probably read a few books after that that were good, but nothing that really, really stuck with me mm -hmm. until I read for new liberty a few years later probably when i was a junior or a senior and then i read the law by friedrich bastiat the summer before i started law school and so i know that the i know that the question said your first four that really influenced you yeah so i i kind of took liberty with that and put my first two and then put the two books after that that kind of sealed the deal yeah. as it were even though even though they probably weren't i didn't read them you know boom 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 four yeah, in a yeah. row but by the time i was done with college those were the four ones that really stuck with me yeah see the thing i was talking about was there was one but with people basically and uh th this oh, was a, yeah. this was like a week ago yeah i think i saw that too i didn't i didn't post anything for it but i think i saw it what i did was uh <laughs> what'd you do i <laughs> i put a picture of Konkin through like the yeah. face app thing to make him even more fat Oh my god! And I just posted that picture as the four people that got me into. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Quinones liked it today. Yeah, that's <laughs> I funny. I saw he liked it. <laughs> I remember. I remember when I first learned about Konkin. I was probably a junior. I remember sitting in a lecture hall for a for a econo for a, it was a law and philosophy class, and I remember sitting in the class, and I was like wikipedia you know yeah. in my phone while class is going on and and you know you go down that rabbit hole and i found conkin so that's when i first heard who he was but i've never read anything he wrote i don't even think i've listened to a lecture by him i just know who he is yeah um so i think i heard about him for the first time after i got active on twitter and that was like uh, a little over a year ago. I think I got real active on Twitter uh, October 2019. Um, but uh, the only thing I've ever read by Konkin was the uh, New Libertarian Manifesto. And I don't, I mean, it was boring. Like it's just, it was like a call to action. It wasn't really, there weren't any 
ideas in there that were explicated you know it was just very it was uh like appealing to pathos you know yeah so there wasn't much meat in there but apparently uh i have it up here i don't know where it is it's up there somewhere uh like an agorist primer yeah there it is uh that's apparently an agorist primer i don't know if you can see it it's kind of white there it is yeah uh that's apparently the one to get to uh where it actually goes into the theory yeah and then uh there's a copy you can get of the new libertarian manifesto that has a left libertarian approach to class conflict analysis ooh which is very interesting yeah um and that's worth reading too and like so that that's all my knowledge on Konkin, but like I don't I don't know. Like I think the idea frankly, I think the ideas of Konkin are much better put forth uh like in fiction. Really? Um yeah, like uh oh uh Moon is a harsh mistress. I was just about to say Heinlein, yeah. Right. That I mean that's just a great uh like that that's very uh agoristic. Yeah. Um what about Starship Troopers? Because that was Heinlein too, right? Yeah, Starship Troopers is just more like anti-imperialism okay. and, and anti-propaganda. That that was more yeah. of like a, a cultural statement than it was, or like a, a war, a statement against war and propaganda and big government than yeah. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, where that's just kind of a big government and like a tactics book, which is interesting because like he, yeah. he he makes reading about tactics and and like logistics fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, like now I'm thinking about my four books. I'm not gonna tweet it, but uh, like I know I read, and this is so embarrassing, but like <laughs> the first libertarian book I ever read was The Libertarian Mind by David Boaz, oh, the okay. head of Cato. Uh, and uh oh, uh oh, and he and he he hates Tom Woods. He's like one of the chief members of the Loser Brigade. Yeah, and uh, I I read that book, and it was the first libertarian thing. Like I knew the label, and I I at the time I was in high school, and I saw libertarians as like in my mind they were just consistent Republicans. So I'm like, all right, this is cool. I, I hate the Republicans, so. I'm just going to see what this label's about. And that was like the, when I typed libertarian on Amazon, I guess that was the first book that came up. So I read that and that, that kind of demystified a lot of stuff for me. And then after that, um, my buddy recommended um, economics in one lesson. And I read that and that, that blew my mind. Uh, and then it was from there that like I discovered Rothbard. And then the the next book immediately after I read uh, Economics in One Lesson, I read um, For a New Liberty, and that really blew my mind. And that yeah. was that was the that was that sealed the deal, like you said. So the funny thing, when I was reading For a New Liberty, I was I was reading it PDF. I got the free PDF from Mises. I was reading it with the audio book. So I was listening to the audiobook while I read it, mm -hmm. um, but I, I would have it um, hooked up on my television set in my house. 
and my mom would be, you know, kind of like in the kitchen, walking in and out of the room when, when I was listening to it and I just had it, you know, blasting. Cause I'm just like, yeah, you, you need to hear this. You know, yeah. I wasn't like sitting her down, but I was just like, maybe if I just have this playing, she'll yeah. pick up on something. And, and that was like the first tiny little red pill kernel. I'm not saying that my mom wasn't like, well, I mean, like she kind of was, she's, kind of newly red pilled she was kind of a little blue pilled before you know sorry mom love you but <laughs> when uh, she listens to this she's going to be so i know pissed. right exactly <laughs> but um she's really gotten red pilled lately i mean she's still conservative old you know kind of old reagan conservative yeah. but she's definitely gotten really red pilled with this covid stuff and like worrying oh, yeah. about everything that's going to happen but the the one part in For a New Liberty, this tiny little kernel that stuck with her was when Rothbard was talking about, well, we think that the market is best for shoes. So why wouldn't the same principle hold for roads? Why wouldn't the same principle yeah. hold for these other things? And she said she had like never thought about that before. She had never thought about that, that contradiction of, well, the market's best for these resources, but they're not best for these other ones, right? And you know, there's there's obviously, you know, fairly sophisticated public goods arguments, um, which I think are wrong, but they're, you know, more sophisticated than just yeah. the kind of, oh, well, it's what the government does, so they do it. You know, I mean, there are definitely people who just think like that. They just think this is the way it is, and they don't think any deeper. But uh, that, that was the first thing for her where she was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And, and uh, I think that kind of stuck with her. So she kind of can see my viewpoint. A little bit more now so i'm thankful for that yeah for sure um uh, like i was i was uh interested because um or it was interesting because i remember i didn't know anything about mises institute or any of their affiliated authors uh for most of my life and then after i found out about them i started kind of seeing stuff in my dad's library where i'm like hey you know, there's a De Lorenzo book, yeah. you know, you know about him, dad. And he's like, yeah, that was a good book. And I'm like, all right. So I, I, I see like some, uh, I don't know. I see a trail there and I'm like, I'm all right. I'm going to go down that way or, yeah. or I'll see like, uh, I know Thomas Woods, uh, really likes, uh, Oh, Paul Johnson, uh, the historian. I have, I have modern times on my shelf right here. Oh yeah. I've never read it, but it's I, uh, huge. Yeah, it's really big. Um, I think this might even be the updated version too. Yeah, I remember Tom Woods is always like, "Just read the original. Don't read the Gulf War stuff." Yeah, but uh, I, I actually got this from my grandpa. My grandpa gave this one to me. Yeah. Um, but like I'll see that, or I'll talk to him about that, and and then you know, and then they're like staples of every you know family's library. Like the South was right, you know, and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like my dad is is definitely uh, like a Reagan esque conservative. Yeah. But this COVID stuff, and especially this election stuff, has really, like, I mean, it it just like so many people now are realizing like oh the election just doesn't matter yeah like your vote is just useless you know yeah. and and i i, I well, know if a voting, lot of people... if, if voting did anything it'd be illegal yeah that's it's just it's just so true 
Yeah, uh, exactly. So I think that I know a lot of people are upset about that. The neo libs are are uh, all crying uh, right now about that, but I think that's very good. So, uh, all right. So I from that last from that last little conversation, I I actually wrote down two little points that I want to ask you about and get your take on. Because okay. you, when we were talking about Konkin, you brought up the, like, the left libertarian class analysis. Uh-huh. And this is interesting for me because I know that Hoppe has done like class analysis, Austrian econ, you know, ANCAP class analysis. So I don't really know too much about what the left libertarians say about that. So are you more familiar with that? And like, how does it, compare to what Hoppe talks about because because I'll like I'll look into left libertarians like like Chartier and Richmond and Roderick Long and I'll just kind of be like is there really any difference between what these guys are saying and what someone like Hoppe says like it seems like it seems like the differences are superficial yeah. like they seem aesthetic like I, I don't know maybe I don't know enough about what they say but like what are your thoughts on that well I don't know anything about Hoppe's class okay. analysis well he he I, you, sh you should look up and everyone listening should look up he does a whole uh video called um what marx gets right okay that's and, interesting yeah and so he like goes through marxism and class analysis and he says like marx is right that there's like a class struggle and like a class conflict but he puts it in the wrong place. You know, for him, it's the bourgeois versus the proletariat. And Hoppe's like, no, it's the productive class versus the exploitation class, right? And that's just basically, you know, the free market, private property versus the state. And so Hoppe is like, yeah, Marx is right. There is class conflict. He just gets it wrong about what that class conflict specifically is. Okay. Um, I don't know. Like... Because I don't even really know what left libertarian means because that could be like people that are sympathetic to Marxism. That Doesn't then, it just mean that they want equality? Like, is that just really what it is? They just have some kind know. of moral aesthetic desire or belief that under a free society, there would be equality. Maybe. Which, I, I, like I'm saying, I don't know. Like, yeah. And like, then it gets into like, well, equality of what? Like, yeah. equality of money, equality of you know, I'm not equal to Michael Jordan in my basketball skills. So, right, so it's right. like in your free society, and are you going to take some of Michael Jordan's good basketball juice and <laughs> put, put it into a, my veins? Like, you know, I, so I, I don't know what they're saying sometimes, but, yeah. but I think at the core, there's nothing. I don't know. Sometimes I think that there's really no difference in what they're saying, but I don't know enough about it to really, to really yeah. know. Well, see, I might be conflating left libertarians with left anarchists yeah because i don't i'm like i just don't know uh yeah. like i i know every person that identifies himself as a left libertarian always comes across as an asshole like that i've ever i've ever seen but then there are like a large number of left anarchists that are pretty cool so i don't know if there's much overlap in that or because uh, like i mean left anarchism is just like what we say but without the economic arguments basically like uh uh like the biggest left anarchist other than uh what's his name 
the bread guy, the guy that wrote the book. Kropotkin? Uh, yeah, other than him, uh, I think just in popularity is probably Max Stirner. Mm. And like that's, I don't have many issues with that. Uh, is he, is Stirner's the one who's been pretty, pretty good meme fodder for dissecting liberty, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, for a while. It was, I like the one with, uh, with Willem Dafoe from uh, from Spider Man, yeah. <laughs> and you have the you have the glasses. The, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that one was I good. Yeah, that made me laugh. I might try to find that and make it the thumbnail. Uh, All right, great. But uh, but then like I don't know the left libertarians. See, when I think left libertarian, I just think like Sarwark, or like hmm. I just think like the Prags. You know, because yeah. I don't like it's so it's such a neutral term. Like, I don't really like the term libertarian, but me neither. I've talked about we've talked about this on the show. I would asked Carr about that. And I asked Joe Becker about that. I was like, because because I, I know who is the guy who did who made the propertarian oh, idea? I, <laughs> I don't know. Who was but that guy's so, name? It's so lame. You think it's lame? Yeah. Because I, I, because my, I, my thought was like, it, if it's, if so much about it is about private property, right? Yeah. So it's like you have your property rights and you can use your property and your body as you see fit as long as you don't violate other people's property rights. But then that, then that implies that you don't have full liberty, right? Because you don't yeah. have the liberty to violate other people's property rights so i thought that you know putting aside whoever this guy is who made that propertarian just like just the term itself you know i was just kind of like is that a better term like maybe it, it seems like it could be more uh you know more precise but um why do you think it's kind of dumb well because i think i think in a logical sense it's very good but like I mean, it, it's just, there's no, there's no oomph to it. Yeah. There's like branding. Right. Like yeah. the optics for that term is just like, it's like, <laughs> it's super nerdy. I mean, and yeah. that's, that's not good. Well, that, Cause that's, that's my, that's my problem. Cause I'm a nerd. Like I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not the best at like convincing people. I got one person to read Atlas Shrugged. I did. I got him to read Atlas Shrugged and he said he really liked it and that it definitely changed his perspective on some things. But oh, I mean, other than, other than that, like most of my lefty friends, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was blue in the face trying to explain to these people what I've meant. And it's just like, maybe that was just me, you know, it's just because I'm so, I'm so just like a rigid, logical kind of thinker. And yeah. so that's why, that's why I am in law school and that's why I do what I do. But it also just makes me kind of think that maybe I'm not the best spokesman in terms of getting new people into the movement. And so I, I try, I keep that honestly, consciously, consciously in mind when we're doing law of liberty. And I've, I've said this on the show, I'm not trying to convince anybody of libertarian with libertarianism with this show. I'm assuming that everybody who's listening already basically understands the basic ideas and are interested in it because I don't think law of liberty is going to convert anybody to libertarianism. That's not really our goal. And I don't think that's what I'm particularly good at. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's a good stopping point. Um, so real quick, one more time, why don't you just go ahead and give out your plugs? Yeah. And uh, where everybody can find you. 
Yeah, you can find the Law of Liberty podcast um, on Twitter at Law of Liberty Pod. Um, and you can, we have the Discord and the uh, uh, listed on the, on the Twitter page. And you can also find each episode in the, in the link description, in, in, the, in the description, we put the Discord so people can join there. Um, you can find me, my personal page, at Hoff Funk. Sucks because the name is Funk Hoff, but that was already taken as a yeah. handle. So I had to do Hoff Funk. So it's H-O-F-F-F-U-N-K. There's three Fs in a row, which is weird. Um, and you should also follow Stratty. He's the co-host um, at Stratty D on Twitter. And uh, yeah, listen to the show if you're interested. We'd appreciate, uh, we'd appreciate your support. All right, cool. Okay, I'm not going to do the, the outro we normally do because Zero isn't here, but uh, pick Cotton voluntarily. How about that? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. <laughs>